0: Discover the hidden Israelite ancestry of some of the most powerful nations on earth. Watch as scripture unveils the terrifying future of America and Great Britain as revealed through the sabbatical and jubilee years. Discover the identity of Assyria and its role in this final jubilee cycle. Learn of the pending judgments that are to be soon poured out as a result of transgressing the sabbatical years. Sighted moon.
1: Welcome to SightedMoon.com. I'm Joseph Dumont, your host, and today is Wave Sheaf Day. Where does it say we are to count the Omer? That's what we're supposed to do on Wave Sheaf Day, is count the Omer. Where does it say that in your Bible? Why do we do it? And what is the meaning of it? What, what purpose does it serve? This Sunday, April 16, 2017, is Yom Hanafat HaOmer, Day of the Waving of the Wave Sheaf, or of the Sheaf. When the temple stood, this day marked the official commencement of the grain harvest. And you can find that in Deuteronomy 16, verse 7. Let's go and read it. So you can start in verse 7, but uh, let's start in verse 9. You shall count seven weeks for yourself. Begin to count the seven weeks from the time you begin to put the sickle to the grain. When do you put the sickle to the grain? That's the question we're going to solve for you here today. When do you put the sickle to the grain? And verse 10, then you shall keep the Feast of Weeks to the Lord your God with a tribute of a freewill offering from your hand, which you shall give as the Lord God blesses you. Okay, so now let's go to Leviticus 23 and read this command for the wave shift day. It's not a holy day. And most people miss the meaning of this day because it's not a high holy day. So let's read what it says here, Leviticus 23. We're going to start in verse 10. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I give to you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of firstfruits of your harvest to the priest. Now, I got to just say it right here, right now. It says, when you come into the land. So a lot of people use that same reasoning for not keeping the sabbatical year because we're not in the land. So if you're not in the land and it says here, when you come into the land, you keep the wave sheet. Why are you keeping the holy days when you come into the land, if you're not in the land? It's the same for the sabbatical years. You're not in a land where they keep them out everywhere around the world. Okay, that's my little plug. I had to stick that in there. Verse 11, he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted on your behalf on the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. After the Sabbath. Is that the weekly Sabbath or is that the high holy day? You got to figure that out. And it tells you right here so you can figure it out. And you shall offer on that day when you have waved the sheaf a male lamb of the first year without blemish as a burnt offering to the Lord. Its grain offering shall be two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil. That's the barley. That's why we have to find barley to know when the year begins. The whole purpose of looking for the barley is to be able to make this offering. If it wasn't for this offering, we wouldn't be searching for barley to begin the year. It's because of this offering that we search for the barley. So to have the barley ripe by the first of the month is not correct. The barley must be ripe and ready to be made in the flour by wave sheaf day. That's now. And this is why. An offering made by fire to the Lord uh, for a sweet aroma and its drink offering with a shall be of wine, one fourth of a hint. So if you don't believe that you're supposed to drink wine, you know, all you Protestants out there, you got troubles with this verse here. Verse 14, you shall eat neither bread nor parched grain nor fresh grain until the same day that you have brought in your offering to the God, to your God. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations and all your dwellings. We just read in verse 16, or Deuteronomy 16 that from the time you put the sickle to the grain, that's when you start this counting of the Omer. And you're not to do any harvesting or eat any parched grain until you make this offering. And that sickle to the grain is done. After the sun sets at the end of the weekly Sabbath, it's made that night, it's prepared that night, and offered the next morning. And Verse 15, And you shall count for yourselves, listen carefully, and you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, again, which Sabbath are we talking about? From the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be counted, or shall be completed. So there's seven Sabbaths, not seven high holy days, but seven weekly Sabbaths. So you're counting from the weekly Sabbath, not the weekly, uh, the high holy day, the weekly Sabbath. Count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath to the day after the seventh Sabbath. The day after the seventh Sabbath is 49 days. So the day after is the 50th day and the day after the Sabbath is a Sunday. It's right here. It's so simple to understand. People use Joshua 5, verse 10 and 11 as their justification for making uh, this count start on the day after the high holy day, the first day of unleavened bread. And it just doesn't fit here with the scriptures. The reason they use Joshua 5, 10 is because that particular year, Passover, the 15th, was on the Sabbath, the weekly Sabbath. So the day after the weekly Sabbath was the Sunday. And that's when they were able to eat the parched grain because they had made the wave offering that Sunday morning. And that was the day the manna ceased. So it's right here. It's very simple to understand. Yet people want to complicate things and omit scriptures just so they can keep this different understanding. In ancient times, they used to go out on the Friday or the, the, yes, the Friday afternoon and they would mark off the barley that was ripe that was going to be cut and to make into this wave offering. And they would have a large crowd come out there, and the priest would say, has the sun set? And all the people would say, yes, the sun is set. And the priest would say it again, has the sun set? And the people would all say, yes, the sun is set. And he would say it a third time, has the sun set? Yes, the sun is set. So then he would then say, is this the basket? Is this the, the barley that I'm to harvest? Is this the sickle I'm to harvest with the, the harvest of barley with? And each time he would do that, the people would respond, yes, with the basket. Yes, with the wheat that is marked. Yes, with the sickle. And there was a joyous occasion. This was a happy occasion because they're about to start the harvest. This is the, the stuff that the Book of Ruth is about. These seven weeks of harvest leading up to Shavuot. Because barley doesn't ripen all at the same time. Some ripens early some a week later some a week after that some later so farmers would be harvesting their fields at different times depending on when it was ripe or not and that's the same for us brethren some of us come to understanding the truth sooner some of us understand it later some of us grow faster some of us grow slower and some of us are ripe much later on and we got to make acceptance for that for each one of us so this wave offering was done after the sabbath after the sun is set It's taken back and it's ground between your hands. You're rubbing your hands back and forth, rubbing the the husks off to get the seeds out. Again, when was the lamb ever beaten? It's not. The Passover lamb was never beaten. Yeshua was beaten. Isaiah 53, Isaiah 52. And then, just on that note, let's go to Isaiah 52. I got something to show you here. Isaiah 52, starting in verse 7, it says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns, your watchmen shall lift up their voices, and their voices shall sing together. This is the chapter before Isaiah 53, where he is whipped and beaten and stoned for our afflictions this is the lamb. So the barley isn't beaten, but we are to proclaim these things. And that was the last thing he said, go into all the earth and proclaim these truths. So the barley is rubbed together, is prepared that Saturday night, which, you know, sunset begins the first day. So this is actually the first day of the week. So now we got to go to something else. If you want to understand what this means, You got to go someplace that we got to go to the crucifixion to understand what the barley represents. So we're going to start in Matthew chapter 27, verse 50. And Yeshua cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. He died. That was me. He died. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and the bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. They're dust. They're just dust. They've been there for thousands of years, but they've been raised up. See, nobody had gone to heaven. Yeshua said, No man has gone to heaven except the Son of Man who came down from heaven. So not Abraham, not Isaac, not Noah, not Enoch, not Eli- no one had gone to heaven. Not Elijah, no one. So here we are, troubled, because we all thought these people had gone to heaven, but Yeshua said, no, they haven't. Now their bodies are raised up on the day that he dies. This is the barley being marked off. This is what the barley represents, these saints. These are the first fruits. Verse 53, and on coming out of the grave after his resurrection. These bodies, these saints, came out of the grave after his resurrection. And they went into the holy city where the barley was brought and prepared at the temple for the wave offering. Now we have something else that goes on here. When he came out of the grave, the women came there on the first day of the week. They came there in the dark. This is the same time the barley is being prepared. They came there in the dark. They found the tomb. It was empty. The stone is gone. The body's not there. And they're crying. And then the apostles, Peter and John, come running up there, and they see the tallit folded nicely and neat, nice and neatly in the corner. What do they do? They go away wondering what's going on. But Mary turns to the gardener and asks him for the body if he knows where it is. And he says, Mary. And he says in such a way that she recognizes who it is, and she calls him Rabbi, and she goes to give him a hug, and he says, stop, don't touch me. Don't touch me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. Why did she, Why did he say that? Now, I said on a radio show the other day that Mary had cooties. No. No, she didn't have cooties. He was the wave offering. Okay, now we got to go to, um, what is it, Paul says this in First Corinthians? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. But now Christ has risen from the dead and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since... By man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so Christ, in Christ all shall be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ, the first fruits, afterwards those who are Christ at his coming. So this is important to understand. He came out of the grave, he was the first of the first fruits. That's with an S. There's more that came out with him. These saints came out with him at that time. This is incredible news, because up until then, all were asleep in the earth. And Paul even says that King David is still asleep and with us to this day. And this was after this event. So King David has a different role here. And as we've said before in other programs, King David is the one who's going to be the Messiah who comes during the seventh millennium. Again, Yeshua was in the grave for three days and three nights. If those are three millennial days, he went into the grave on the fourth day, which is the fourth millennial day. He's in the grave for three days and three nights. That means he comes out at the end of the Sabbath or end of the sabbatical millennium. These first fruits are typical of what's going to happen on the eighth day. That eighth day represents the eighth day of the feast. And this wave offering is done on the eighth day of the week it also represents the eighth day of the week. It also, or the eighth day of the feast, called the eighth day feast, and it also represents Shavuot. All three times, Wave Sheaf Day, Shavuot, and the eighth day, is a resurrection of the saints at different times throughout history. The fourth millennial day ends in eighty-four common era, and in thirty-one common era, we have this wave offering event taking place at that time. There are more coming later in in the uh, different millennial eras in our future. Shavuot at the end of the sixth millennial day and the eighth day feast at the end of the seventh millennium and the start of the eighth millennium. All these things represent each other and they all tie into each other just like a well fit glove. But you have to understand what the holy days mean. Yeshua came out of the grave and he led a host of captives with him. Now, who said that? Paul, again. Now, Paul is saying in Ephesians 4, verse 8. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. This comes from Psalm 68, 18. That's what King David was saying. Now, verse 9. Now, this, again, back in Ephesians 4, verse 9. Now, this, he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry and for edifying of the body of Yeshua. This is the gifts that he gave men. He was our first fruit. This is the wave offering. This is why this day is so important. This is why the barley is so important because these first fruits, Abram, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Noah, Enoch, Elijah, they are these first fruits. And we read in Revelation something else. Because remember, Yeshua said, no man's gone to heaven except the Son of Man who came down from heaven. So let's go to Revelation. In Revelation 4, verse 4, around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning uh, before the throne and went each of the seven spirits of God. This word elders is ancestors, which means that they have previously lived and they are our ancestry, our ancestors who are now in heaven. And this is incredible because no one has gone to heaven, but now these men are there. Is there others? Possibly yes. We're not really told. This is amazing. So what does that mean? This is the first wave offering that takes place at wave Sheaf day. When's the next wave offering? 50 days later. 50 days later. A jubilee cycle later. That's why you're the count the Omar. It's a countdown. Counting the Omar. We count it every day. And we count to Shavuot, and Shavuot's the next wave offering, and that one hasn't taken place yet. And everyone who has lived since Yeshua came out of the grave, everyone who has died, who believed in Yeshua, from that time on, that means all the apostles, all the saints after that time, down to our time now. This is when we're going to be raised up. This is what Paul's talking about in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh, oops, no, verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must be put on immortality. This is what this feast of Pentecost Shavuot is about. This is the rapture that everyone is looking for and guessing about in the time. But because they don't keep the holy days, they don't know when this is going to take place. Again, read in 1 Thessalonians 4, and let's start in verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. If you have loved ones who have died, you're not to be moaning away sorrowfully as if you have no hope. Here's the hope. For if we believe that Yeshua died and rose again, even so Yehovah will bring with Him those who sleep in Yeshua. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with them. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. This is what Shavuot represents. This is the time when we will be raised up. This is the time that our loved ones or those who are following Yeshua or Jehovah, and obeying the commandments will be raised up at that time. This is what the feast is about. Now, what about the rest of them? who don't know. What about Hitler, Mussolini? What about the people that don't believe in God right now? What about those who never knew about him? That's the third hag. You know, we got the Passover hag. They've already resurrected the saints at that time when Yeshua came out of the grave. We've got the next one at Shavuot. That's the next hag that we're hoping to be changed in the twinkling of an eye and risen up the dead first, then us at the same time. If you remember that, that, uh, let's go to, know, um, and then the third one, before I forget my train of thought here, the third one is the Feast of Sukkot, and that's when the rest of mankind will be raised up. But let's go back to Exodus chapter 19, because, you know, th- people think that this last trumpet is the Feast of Trumpets, but they forget that in Exodus 19, if I can find the page, verse 16, Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain, and the sound of the trumpet was very loud, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. And the mountain of Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountains quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him by voice. What an awesome day that was. What an awesome day that was! We were so screwed up when we said we don't want to hear God's voice anymore. That's what the Day of Shavuot is about—the feast, the trumpet, not the feast of trumpets. It's a day of thunder and loud trumpet blasts and getting loud and deafening noise. This is the dead being woken up. This is the rapture that so many talk about, and these people who talk about the rapture don't keep the commandments, don't keep the Sabbath, don't keep the Holy Days, and didn't keep the sabbatical year. And it's these same people that are going to be told, as it's told, we're told in Matthew in two different places, be gone from me, you workers of lawlessness, which means you don't keep the law, I never knew you. And it says, yeah, but we, we kept, raised people from the dead, we healed the sick, we did all these good works, and, and I never knew you. It says in John, if you love me, keep the commandments. Those who say they love me and do not keep the commandments are liars. And these people talking about the rapture, they love them, but they don't keep the commandments. So they're nothing but a bunch of liars. Wave sheaf day today is one of the greatest days in history. Because that's when man is raised up from the grave and brought to heaven. And it's the first wave offering. The next wave offering is Pentecost. That's when the bread, us who are wheat, are to be made into two loaves with leaven in them that will be waved before Jehovah at that time. And that's when the dead will be raised up first and those of us who are alive will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. That's why the Feast of Shavuot, the Feast of Pentecost is so exciting because that's the next wave offering. That's the next raising of the dead at that time. This is what we're to tell each other. This is what we're to encourage each other with. It's coming. And we're very close to that time now at the end of this sixth millennial day. Understand the meaning of this. Now go out and count the Omer. Go out and count the Omer each day. What do we do? What do we say? This week, tomorrow, today, is the first day of the first week of seven weeks. Today is the first day of counting of 50 days of the day of the waving of the Omer on the morrow after the Sabbath. That's what we say on today, the first day. Monday, you'll say the same thing when you say it the second day. I have these at the back of my book, Remembering the Sabbatical Year of 2016. You can go there and read it. They're on our website. Search them. Or you can just search for Counting the Omer. There's a prayer that you say with us each time you do this. At the end of this week's newsletter on the Wave Sheaf Offering, I have these prayers there. And it's Psalm 67. We say Psalm 67 at every day because it has 49 words in it in the Hebrew. 67 verse 1. Jehovah does favor us and bless us, cause his faith to shine upon us, Selah, for your way to be known on earth, your deliverance among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O Elohim. Let all the peoples praise you, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples uprightly and lead the nations on earth, Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O Elohim, let all the peoples praise you. The earth shall give her increase, Elohim, our own Elohim, bless us. Elohim blesses us, and all the earth all the ends of the earth fear him. So that's we say that every day. Because it has forty-nine words. If this is a tradition. It's not a commandment. It's a, tr- a tradition. Then the prayer that is cited for the first day is Psalm one nineteen verses one to eight. Blessed are the perfect in the way, who walk in the Torah of Jehovah. Blessed are those who observe His witness, His witnesses who seek Him with all the heart, all their heart. Yea, they shall do no unrighteousness. They shall walk in His ways. You have commanded us to guard Your orders diligently. Oh, that my ways were established to guard your laws. Then I would not be ashamed when I looked into your, all your commands. I thank you with uprightness of heart when I learned the right rulings of your righteousness. I guard your laws. Oh, do not leave me entirely. And that's the traditional prayer on the first day of the wave sheaf day. And there are 50 of these. Now, I post them each week in my newsletter. All 50 of them are found at the back of the book, Remembering the Sabbatical Year of 2016. I urge you to go to exLibris X-L-I-B-R-I-S, exlibris.com. Search for Remembering the Sabbatical Year of 2016 by Joseph F. Dumont. Get the book. Get the book. 2016 is past, but the same teachings, the same understandings apply to the next sabbatical year coming up in 2023. You must be ready to keep it, and you start planning for it now. Those people who kept it did not starve to death. You know, they didn't die. They were able to keep it, and they kept it all around the world in different places, not just in the land of Israel. So I encourage you, brethren, to sign up for the newsletter, to get it, sign up for these podcasts, to share the newsletter, share these podcasts with others, write your comments, and let others know about this great day, this great day, the wave Sheaf day, what it represents and why it is so important to Pentecost. It's an awesome day. So until next time, Jehovah be with you and shine his face on you. Jehovah bless you with his understanding, with his knowledge and with his wisdom. Jehovah be with you all. Shalom.
0: host, praise him, sun and moon, all you stars of light, praise him too. See, of Jehovah for his name alone is to be raised he has lifted up for his people a home